What you're about to hear is a really beautiful chat, but we do want to warn you, there is some discussion of both trauma and suicide. If that's something you might find triggering, or you're just not up for it today, please skip this one. Have you ever wondered what it's like to experience one of the oldest rainforests as a blind person? Or how it feels to get around one of the seven wonders of the world with mobility issues? You're listening to Access That a podcast that explores what it's really like to travel as a person with a disability, like me. I'm Carney Liddell. And I'm Oliver Hunter. Each episode, we send a travel lover on an adventure around Queensland, and then we get them in the studio to have a chat. We ask them what it's like for them to navigate the world, hearing the highs, the lows, and the lowdown from people who have been there, access that. This podcast is presented by Queensland. Before we get going, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording and the country we love to travel. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I would especially like to pay my respects to the First Nations people living with a disability. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back, Carney. Hello, everyone. Yes, we've got another uh, great guest and a great chat today. Uh, our guest today is Ebony Wumaki. And this one's going to be a fantastic episode for the parents out there, which you're about to become, because Ebony is a super parent, a super mum of four kids. She's an intuitive reader. She homeschools those kids. She's a speaker, and she's also living with a degenerative eye condition. It was amazing to hear her story about how she travels and lives her life with a disability, but also how these four kids live their life with their mum, who is blind. And I, I was just fascinated at what she um, sort of has to go through. She also has uh, Holly, uh, her guide dog. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing chat and her amazing story. So here we go. Ebony, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Um, we like to start with each guest of the episode to introduce themselves. So could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Ebony Wamaki. I'm 29 years old, um, completely blind, mother of four, have my beautiful guide dog Holly with me today. Yeah, that's me. So glad you pronounced your last name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Holly I'll... loves to tease me that I'm the most Australian person he's ever met because I'm from a place called Rockhampton, mm-hmm. which is the beef capital of Australia. And my friends often say when they hear me doing a podcast or a speech, why don't you speak like that all the time? Yeah. <laughs> so this is actually yeah. Yeah. me trying to not be Australian. <laughs> No, you did a good job. (laughs) You did a good job before. No, you really did. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not going to try it again on air. I did it off air. So aside from being a mother of four, which makes me feel, I wanted to come here today and whinge about the fact that I've just been away with my only child, Kai, for four days and I feel like I'm a uh, dead woman wheeling. (laughs) 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 So I can't whinge to you. Four kids. How old are the kids? Um, so my oldest daughter is five and a half and then my son is four and then our twin girls are two. So four yes. kids under six. Mm-hmm. That's hectic. I mean, I grew up, I've got, so I'm one of four as well, four boys. Yeah. And at one stage I was, yeah, five and a half and my yeah. brother was more, so same age bracket. Um, for, I'm, I've got one on the way. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting geared up for that. I think. And then, and then we're three, laughing. Cause we're yeah. And like, so... <laughs> Throwing like the disability angle too. So you've lost your vision over time. Yes. So how did that like, I guess, influence your parenting or your idea of having kids when you were 
younger or? So um, surprisingly, when I was younger, I wanted 10 kids. But now I have four. I think I'm going to stop. Yeah. Um, no, I probably want one more. But yeah, I always wanted kids. I come from a family with lots of siblings. So I'm one of six. Yeah. And I've always kind of played that sort of mother role to my siblings. I'm the middle child though. Yeah. And yeah, I always wanted children. So I was never kind of concerned around how I would parent with my disability. I was just aware that I would have to make some adaptations and I am an avid Googler. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I just Googled the hell out of everything and then just kind of adapted it to what I knew I could do and I could manage. And obviously, I guess with, you know, being blind, I didn't really find a lot of resources in Mm, terms of blind parents. And then blind parents were twins. There was nothing on my Google search when I searched (laughs) that. It's like, where are these blind parents with twins? Where are they? They've got to be somewhere. But no, they weren't there. Um, So yeah, just had to figure it out on on our way, really. And when you were, uh, I don't know about you, I I fell pregnant at 37. So Mm -hmm. very different story to you. But when you have a disability, you often get asked really annoying personal questions mm-hmm. and people want to high-five you for being inspirational just for breathing <laughs> and going out, right? So when I fell pregnant, my sisters who use wheelchairs said, uh-oh, the questions are going to get more mm-hmm. personal and more intrusive and more annoying. So did you get a lot of questions about like, how are you going to be a parent? Is it genetic? Are your kids going to be blind yeah. too? Yeah. And how'd you handle that? I think I had some experiences that weren't very pleasant, Mm -hmm. like in terms of medical practitioners encouraging me to terminate because I wouldn't be able to cope, um, which was very disheartening at the time, but... I and also, of, what are they basing that on? Yeah, <laughs> There's literally. No research. And and I think too, you know, for a lot of people that I've met that are, you know, able-bodied, sometimes they look at things from the perspective of, well, I struggle as a parent and I have my eyesight or mm. I, you know, have my four limbs working, so how are you going to do it when you don't have... But it's so subjective and parenting yeah. is really about the individual and, you know, how you manage your own emotions because in turn that's going to impact how you manage your children because they're just a ball of emotions that you have to regulate the entire time. So it's definitely been challenging at times, but trying not to take it on board because at the end of the day, I mean, that's my journey. Kids are like smart, but they're very smart and very, they can be very (laughs) intuitive. So they would have picked up that from early on that whether you're blind or in a wheelchair, do they work the system every now and then? Oh, yeah. They know, they know, like, for example, you, like, you can't see them, but like, you might go, oh, go to the, the fridge and get an apple, but they actually come out with a packet of biscuits and they're like, yeah. And they're like, how, how, so there, what's some of the, is there examples of how they're like, we, I know you can't, like, you, Kai, you can't chase him or, well, I can though, because my wheelchair goes six k's an hour. So it's a bit quicker. But <laughs> so sometimes I'm the one in the playground, yeah, you know, yeah. chasing and picking up the kids. Go and come from on from the I, able-bodied parents. Yeah, I just find that interesting about the kids. I don't know if you have a, if you have a. I definitely do. Um, One of my twins, she is the youngest, but she is like, uh, she's 18 kilos. She's two, she's huge. And um, every time I go to change her nappy, she goes silent and hides in a corner. And I'm walking around (laughs) the house with my hands out because there's toys everywhere and I'm tripping around. I'm like, Koya, Koya, where are you? Where are you? And she's quiet and they're they're like, mum, she's to the left. No, she's to the right. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. And does Holly help? Holly the dog. No, Holly. Holly the very, uh, she's very chilled. <laughs> a bit of a quiet place in your house, like that movie where they're all silent because they're going to get chased by the uh, monster otherwise. So the kids just t- just turn the volume down and you can't find them. I love that. What well, I find though is that Kai's figured out the positives. 
Yeah. Say, like, for example, jumping a queue, yeah. yeah, jumping the line, he's just walks up there without me. I'm like, dude, it's not going to work without me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just an able-bodied dude. You know, you know me in tow, mate. Yeah, and it, yeah. To, to embarrass me, which is pretty hard to do, I'm, it's hard to yeah. embarrass me, he'll, like, say out loud really loud because he often sits on my lap even at six, so I can't, I can't even see where I'm going because he's so tall. <laughs> he'll, he'll yell out, Walking is boring. (laughs) (laughs) So he's worked out how to make, you know, make people laugh. (laughs) Does he hijack your chair if you're a wheelchair? Yep. Well, he's the one who figured out on my phone that I had an app on my phone for my wheelchair, which which I didn't know because I'm so bad with technology. Yeah. And he's the one who figured out, I think it was three, that I had a remote on it. That's so funny. And he brought my wheelchair, <laughs> like he was putting it all over the house. And my brain was like, am I seeing things? Like, is my wheelchair moving? He <laughs> <laughs> was like playing with yeah. it. So now he's figured out how to bring me to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what kind of man I'm raising. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ebony, I'm interested um, to hear about your travel. Um, did you do much travel when you were younger, like pre-kids? As I know you, your vision sort of deteriorated over time. Mm-hmm. So how did that, I guess, change your travel experiences? as you got older? Yeah, so I did travel a lot before children. Um, So I grew up in New Zealand, so I did travel back and forth to New Zealand a lot of the time. Um, And I did do that majority of the time independently. I had a sort of assistance from the airline that would come and get me, take me on the plane and then come and get me afterwards. So that's kind of how I travelled in the past and then if I did go anywhere else I would have, you know, family or friends. At that time I didn't have a guide dog and I refused to use my cane. So, (laughs) yeah, I know, good time. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like most of us refused to use a wheelchair somewhere. So, um, you know, independence was um, limited. Um, But, yeah, since I kind of have Holly now, it's changed a lot, but that's kind of how I got around prior to kids and Holly. Just sort of winged it. Yeah, Yeah, very much so. And I was just reading about what you do for work, mm-hmm. aside from being a mother of four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us, because I, I don't want to say the word inspirational, but it does say inspirational speaker here, but you're also an intuitive reader. Yeah, so basically I started my work as an intuitive reader when I was 18. So I left school at 16 and was really trying to figure out, you know, what my purpose in life was. Um, I started massaging and I, um, I guess just through working closely with people but also kind of going through my own, you know, transformative journey at that time, I attempted to take my own life at 16. So I think it was a really sort of... Um, Yeah, it was a very transformative time where I realised I had a decision to make. And if I wanted to be here and be happy and thrive, I had to, you know, make some changes and and do some things. So I definitely think from that time in my life, um, a whole lot changed. And I would say because of that sort of self-growth and work I started doing at that time in my 16-year-old brain, I would really say that my sort of intuition expanded. I started to see like... The best way to describe it is when I would meet and interact with people, whether I'd be working with them in, you know, my massage room or, you know, just meeting people on the street, I would start to see colours. And so the shape of the colours or the density or the way the colour would move would 
mean something to me. So it would, you know, maybe signify that they were going through a challenging time or something happened, etc. And the more I honed in on that, the more it sort of expanded into what it is now. So now I just, when I'm sort of prepping for a session and in a session, I just get very clear, you know, messages as to what's going on for somebody um, in terms of their past, present, future, those that have passed away. So it's kind of similar to that of a psychic or a medium, but I don't depend on any visual cues to pick up that information. So it's based purely on what I feel. And that's kind of how I would, yeah, describe my work. But I guess I kind of try and see it as my way to help and assist people to see the light that they see in others in themselves and just giving them that direction and guidance that they need to be the best versions of themselves. That's amazing. And you lost your, well, you, you were born with your disability, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, because obviously you started losing your eyesight very young. Yes. Do you have any memory of what you saw before you lost your eyesight or are you just too young to remember? No, so I, from what I know, I was diagnosed at two and over time I, when I was younger, I could see enough to sort of read a book in really, really good light and ride a bike, not the best at riding a bike, but, you Mm -hmm. know, I could still ride it. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that anything to do with the vision or just you and I got it sitting on a bike? No. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, vision. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's blame that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I could see enough to sort of um, do those sorts of things, but over time my eyesight did decrease. So definitely around the time that I was 16 and then, you know, hormonal changes really affected the decline in my eyesight. Um, So, when I was about 16, I had a huge loss of eyesight and then my eyes started shaking. So I um, developed this thing called nystagmus. And so that became more difficult for me to sort of focus on things. And then over time, it just declined, especially when I started having children because of the hormone surge in the first trimester. So I noticed huge changes Mm. during that time. Bloody hormones. Yeah, I know. And then, you know, breastfeeding and all that Mm. sort of stuff affected my eyesight as well. So, um, yeah, I guess in terms of like seeing, I still do remember, you know, certain things like what things look like um, to an extent, but I never could see specific details anyway. Yeah. yeah. And 16, you mentioned about, you know, that time where you try to take your own life mm-hmm. and you do talk about in your bio that you do a little bit of work or a lot of work in mental health and complex trauma mm-hmm. and the social worker, which I am, I'm a trauma specialist. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit more about that kind of work that you do with the mental health side of things. Yeah, so I definitely say with coming from a background where complex trauma and significant childhood you know, challenges and Mm -hmm. circumstances have been a very big part of my experience. It's very much a huge um, passion of mine to help bring awareness to that area. I've recently been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. and just sort of managing all of that for myself has really made me more sort of passionate about advocating for others that go through the same experiences and that don't always have that nurture and support in the very fundamental parts of their lives, which is their childhood. So it's something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And then I guess how has your relationship with your disability developed or changed as you've unpacked that over, I guess, the last 
decade or, or so. Honestly, the biggest thing that changed for me was having my oldest daughter. So before having kids, I hated my disability. Like I absolutely hated it. I would go to extreme lengths to hide it and pretend that I could see when I really, really couldn't. And that is a really challenging place to be in for anybody with a disability because you're literally denying who you are. And to deny who you are, it's not a really nice place to be. And um, when I had my daughter, she was young and me and my partner were having a squabble over something. And it was about, um, you know, some of the ignorant things that his family and friends would say to me about my disability. And I just had this light bulb moment where I was like, every room that I go into, I go in feeling anxious, feeling like I have to hide myself, feeling like I don't want to be seen. And my daughter's a sponge. She's four months old at the moment. But if she sees me go into every room like that, she's going to start to mimic that behaviour and think that that's how she should behave. And I don't want her to do that. I want her to be proud of herself. So in order to, for her to be proud of herself, I have to be proud of myself. So I really think that healing journey began with my children and obviously it hasn't been straightforward it's had many twists and turns but I think now where I am I'm very comfortable with who I am and um, if anything I'm like yeah I'm blind (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah get the yeah get get the flag out that no one can see (laughs) but yeah wave it it's about two days before we head off on our beautiful four-day holiday We're really looking forward to it. I haven't started packing bags yet, but I have started doing a little bit of meal prep because when you travel with four small children, everybody is always hungry. It'll be really interesting to see what our accommodation is like, how it fits all of us, and what it's like traveling with all four kids. Now, I guess we're a travel pod. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned travel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, Carney, our newsflash. Right, we mentioned travel pre-kids and so travel with kids. You've done the Queensland trip. I don't recommend it. But, yeah, but so both, again, a question for both of you. I, I We did a lot of family holidays when I was a kid. I said mm-hmm. one of four of my parents. Um, we, yeah, six of us would jam in the back of a car and go camping or whatever. And I had a great time um, as, as a kid. My brothers all did. So I guess for both of you again. Can you have a good time when you travel with children? <laughs> Look, I wouldn't say it's a holiday uh, for the parents. Yeah, yeah. It's a holiday for the children. But, I mean, I enjoy taking my children out because then it makes – like I, I view holidays differently now if we're going with the kids because it's for them. Yeah. Um, so I have fun through them. But me and my partner often joke that we need a holiday after the holiday because, yeah. It, yeah, it's full on. Oh. It's, it's full on. And everywhere you go <laughs> – I've just come back. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I flew in last night at 5.30. Um, so I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling quite stressed. Running on, running on I'm fumes, running on, going yeah. through it. Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a few moments up where we went with, um, with Kai. It felt like saying, you know, travelling with a wheelchair was the easy part. Yeah. yeah. Travelling with Kai was hard part. <laughs> yeah. But you do choose places that that's really for the kids. Yeah. You know, so they can play and do. Otherwise, it really is way too hard. If you go to a lo- like a five star luxury resort, it's not fun. Yeah, and it's not yeah. fun for anyone else. Either. No, yeah. you know, because I, I was that person that would see people with their kids and, and you know trying to relax by the pool, and the kids are splashing you, and you know it's not fun for them either. Yeah. So you do go to you go to other places. So where'd you go? 
So we stayed at the big four down at Helen's Vale. We've stayed there before, but we um, only had the two kids at the time. So it was, yeah, it was nice to stay with all four and our accommodation was really great. Like it was huge. We had three bathrooms oh. and yeah, no, so, so I think- one per kid. No, uh, literally. Yeah. They all really enjoyed getting into different bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was fun. Um, yeah, no, so our accommodation was great and um, we really liked it down there, yeah. It is good. And again, before you have kids- I didn't even know what Big Four was. <laughs> but I yeah. thought it was like a four star. Yeah. As you say, you know, yeah. camping is three and a half stars yeah. to me. Yeah. But I've really embraced Big Fours. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you were in a cabin? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with your disability, like mm-hmm. getting around a new place mm. or packing, do you do anything that you would think would be different to, I'm guessing, your partner? Is your partner able-bodied in inverted commas? Yeah, look, I'd say he is. Um, <laughs> no, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll kill me when he hears that. Yeah. Um, no, he is able-bodied. I take care of all of the packing just because I dress the children. I love him and he has 20-20 vision, but sometimes his fashion sense isn't up to my... <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, I'm like, that's a worry when you... Uh, <laughs> When a blind woman says, your fashion sense is no good. No, like, yeah. I mean, he does good for himself and my son, but with the girl sometimes I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do stripes and polka dots, babe. It yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah. It's pretty loud. Yeah, and you, even you know that. That's yeah, that, yeah, and I'm like, we already stick out. We're yeah. not going to make it worse right, for right. ourselves. That's what I always think to myself. Gosh, we already stick out enough, kid. Yeah. You chose that outfit. But no, so I do all the packing and for me and the kids, so I make sure that in terms of that stuff I know where everything thing is and it's laid out in a specific way and then when we kind of get to our location I it takes a while like you know it's a few sort of bumping into walls and Mm -hmm, figuring it all out Um, but after you know a couple hours or so it's pretty it's pretty easy and it was a really good layout in the villa that we stayed in it was very open planned um, so that was nice. And in terms of what you need, mm-hmm. do you use a cane now or just Tolly? No, just Tolly. So I don't know about you, Ollie, but we, I often joke about the fact that everywhere we go on a ramp, there's those bumps that are for... The tactile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, they're for blind people, right, and the mm-hmm. canes, and they're really bad for us. Oh, okay. Because we hit them and mm. then we our wheelchairs go crazy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the place. And we so just, you like Drift King sort of thing. Yeah, well, we can, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, like, it's like Metro cobblestone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're not great for us. And I always think to myself, how did that happen <laughs> that we ended up, the two disabilities, we can't use the same <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same colliding. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so apart from Holly, is there anything else you can do that's, that helps? Like is there Braille? I don't read Braille. Okay. I'm I've heard that quite a bit. I've got a blind friend who I caught up with last night. He's like, you I got a blind friend? She's, have, she's blind. I oh wouldn't have a clue. Do they and know each other? Like, he's like, I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have a clue how to read Braille. I'm like, no, I thought no. that was just a rite of passage. For, yeah. Well, yeah. I did learn it growing up but then I stopped and, yeah, never never started again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's just all on Surrey now, yeah. really. Yeah, because I was going to say the lazy a body people have become. Yeah. It's been great for us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when you took Holly, because I know Helen's Vale, Big Forks, I've been there, mm-hmm. you can take dogs, mm-hmm. but you can't take dogs to the water slides and the jumping mm-hmm. thing, pillow. Are you allowed to take Holly everywhere? Um, in the pool area? Yes. I didn't take her in the pool area, but, yeah, to my knowledge, she's allowed to go everywhere. So what are the kids like the best? Where do they spend most of the time? They love the pool. Like yeah. they're obsessed with the pool. 
So that's kind of when we did get a chance, we spent a lot of our time there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like our holiday in general, one of their favourite things was the aqueduct that we yeah, went tell on. Us about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, they loved the aqueduct. So they were obsessed and they got to once the sort of bus, you know, version of it turns into a boat, mm-hmm. they got to steer the boat. So that was really fun for them. And they all got their own little sort of like captain's hat to take home mm. um, and a certificate. But yeah, no, we really liked that. That was really good just finished at the aqueduct and it was so much fun um the kids really really loved it and thought it was so cool the staff on board the aqueduct and even the ones that checked us in they were so lovely so accommodating um it was really really helpful a little bit challenging to get my guide dog up the stairs of the aqueduct I didn't have to lift her thankfully but they were just really steep stairs and um, her paw slipped a little bit on that so it can be a little bit challenging trying to carry our twins up and then trying to be guided by my guide dog as well but we got there it was good yeah we really loved it and what else did you get up to on the Gold Coast So probably one of the most memorable moments was our whale watching tour. There was a lot of whales out there, but it was because the kids all spewed on me. That was very, very memorable. (laughs) (laughs) We were a bit worried about Holly because we were told that dogs get seasick. So, but she was was okay. Just your kids. Just my kids. Um, So yeah, the three girls were really sick and my son was kind of running up and down the boat because he thought it was amazing. But there were so many whales out there. I really would like to go back on my own because... I don't know if you experienced this, Ollie, did, but they, the, yep. yeah, you did that one, but yep. they did like the sort of narrating of everything as you go yep. through. And that was really good for me because I obviously couldn't see uh, it visually. Yeah, I was just going to say, whale you, watching. How do you appreciate a whale watching tour as a, as a blind person? Well, I just try and take the small things because, yeah. you know, when you do have a disability, there's so much out of your control. And yes. if I focus on what's out of my control, I'm just going to be miserable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's focus on what I do have control over and the fact that I could hear and the fact that he was like, yes, the captain was narrating. Captain was very good. It was yeah. so great. Yeah. And then they put this little sort of like microphone down in the water and we could listen to the whales like <gasps> click clicking and talking yeah. to each other. It's a bit cool. hard to hear between the spews, but yeah. um, <laughs> I got the gist of it so it was, yeah. no I really really liked the whale watching tour it was great oh that's because uh, I saw that on the notes as well and I was like this will be interesting so that's fascinating to hear but um so what else did what else did we do while, while your family while you're on the Gold Coast um so we went to Paradise Country I believe it is I always get that mixed up Car- yeah Paradise Country um so that was really, really good. Um, I actually had a family member down there who was our tour guide. I didn't know we were related. So that was very interesting. But yeah, we really liked that. I think the probably the challenging thing from time to time with those sorts of things, especially with Corumbin, when there's like the free roam areas for animals, because I can't take Holly in. Is this yes. a wildlife sanctuary? Yes. Oh yeah, of course, because you know, Holly is a dog. Yeah, yeah, And naturally, <laughs> dogs like to, you know, mm-hmm. chase birds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So And in, you can't train that out of a dog. There's no, no yeah. and she's pretty good. Like she was great mm. as we passed all the enclosures and stuff, but it's just for safety for, you know, her as well as their animals too. So in the kangaroo enclosures and stuff, I had to stand out while the kids and my partner went in. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it was really, really nice. So we really enjoyed that. Um, and then we did SeaWorld as well. Yeah. What do the kids like at SeaWorld the most? Um, the dolphin the show. Yeah. They loved the dolphin show. And that was really good because at the beginning, whenever we've gone travelling in the past, um, 
you know, because I've just accepted that I'm blind, sometimes I still forget. So mm. um, it's like me yeah. getting to charge my wheelchair. Yeah. My yeah. friend's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I, I just forget I'm in a wheelchair all the time. So when we first, you know, went to the stadium to go to the um, dolphin show, my partner was like, oh, we're probably not going to be able to go because everyone's taking their kids out of the pram and we might have to leave the pram here. And I was like, no, we'll ask, you know, see mm -hmm. if they can take us through, you know, an accessible route. So they were great. Like we got to go down the front and take the pram and take Holly in. It was pretty easy and we didn't have to queue up or anything. So, yeah. SeaWorld's really good. They were really, with really accessibility. good. Yeah. If they know you're coming to, like there is, yeah. honestly, you should ring ahead That's because they've got a whole noticed. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And... What else did you do that you think could have been improved on? Like was there anything you went, oh, that's way too hard for me because of my disability? Honestly, the only thing that I could really think of is maybe if you do have a guide dog and you do have a family, if you are going to go to the free roaming areas at the sort of um, wildlife places that maybe they arrange, if you call up ahead of time, if they can arrange, you know, a support person with you because where was it at Country Paradise, Paradise Country, where we went first, the there was a um, assistance worker with us and she held Holly when I went in the first enclosure. So that was really great for us. Mm. But then in the other enclosures where she couldn't be with us, she had to go, then I had to stay out. Did so you ask anyone? No. <laughs> because generally speaking, people love dogs, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So maybe we could find out if that would be a possibility. That's a great idea. Mm, I think just having that as an option. Um, and then the only other slight difficulty I would say was getting onto the aqueduct. I mean, Holly was pretty good, but the stairs are really, really steep and they're sort of steel and slippery. So it was a little bit challenging carrying an 18 kilo two-year-old mm. and then trying to get Holly up the stairs. How did you get up the stairs? I didn't do the aqueduct, but um, oh. yeah, I had some in my my trip. Had some stair stuff, but mm. I had um, one of the, the one of the activities was parasailing, and um, one of the guys, uh, Rowan, he just picked me up on his back and carried me. So that wasn't so, a ramp yeah, onto the aqueduct. Yeah. No, it's all steps. Yeah, that's good to know. So they would be the only two things. Everything else, honestly, was really seamless yeah. for us. We had an incredible time and found everybody really accommodating and supportive and. Yeah, it was – I can't complain. Any good food? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We um, went on the Monday night, we went to 8th Street at okay. Harbour Town and, yeah, that was delicious. We didn't even eat all our food. We had to take it home. Yeah. <laughs> um, How do you go out with four kids for dinner? Yeah, look. iPads? <laughs> no, we didn't have iPads actually. They're pretty good. They're foodies because yeah. me and my partner love food yeah. um, and we always experiment at home. So they are obsessed with food too. Like yeah. these five-year-olds, they want charcuterie boards. and <laughs> What? Yeah, they want salami and daffodil yeah. cheese and yeah. stuff. Oh, so yeah. they were Whereas like. my kids like chicken nuggets and chips. <laughs> yeah, I was on my trip. We were at a cafe getting a sandwich and yeah. I heard he would have been about five as well. <laughs> and he said, mommy, I want an almond croissant. <laughs> and I look, I look at him and I go, mate. When I was five, I didn't even know what an almond was, let alone speaking French and what a croissant yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So I found that hilarious. But no, it's good going out with the kids. Like sometimes if they were a little bit grumpy because dinner was booked around their sort of like sleep time. But other than that, they really liked it. And then we went to an Italian restaurant on the Wednesday night. I think it was called Mosa Mosa. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, it's a new um, restaurant in the Gold Coast. And yeah, they loved that too because it was all pizza and stuff yeah. like that. So. 
No, we had delicious food. So obviously you can't drive. No. So you Holly can, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an eight-body person. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if your dog can uh, can drive. <laughs> I remember for April Fool's Day, um, this Paralympian that I grew up with, uh, Jared Gozens, and on the front cover of the of the morning bulletin, he had his guide dog in the front, and he said he was driving around, and the, and the guide dog could tell him about you know when it was like green, a, green light, red like light, like a rally car driver, yeah, yeah. 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 left turn, right turn, yeah. and people did believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like no, April Fools. people actually do believe yeah. it. It's crazy. Yeah, they, uh, we we yeah, it's very yeah. wet. <laughs> sea World was really good. It was busy, which made it a little difficult with my guide dog Holly just trying to follow my partner and navigate as well as trying to you know hold on to the kids hands too so our twins are in a pram but our five-year-old and four-year-old hold our hands so sometimes it can be a little bit difficult when it is crowded but we managed well um the workers in SeaWorld were really great and accommodating. Um, this morning we went to go see the dolphin show and they let us go through the accessibility route and we were able to take the double pram in as well as Holly and the kids really loved watching the dolphin show so that was really great. And yeah, we could go basically anywhere. Holly wasn't excluded from um, any part of SeaWorld so that was really great for us and easy for us. We had a really lovely day. It was very busy today though, I will say. Very, very tired. But other than that, everything was really great. And yeah, we really enjoyed ourselves. So I lost my kid at Big Four. I arrived there, literally <laughs> went upstairs <laughs> and turned around and my kid was gone. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So there's nothing worse than being, some. I've got no idea because I've never been able-bodied, but you know, wheeling around, screaming at your kid's yeah. name because people always, you always feel like they're judging you anyway. Yes. Whereas I just lost my kid because he's a typical six-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. What happens if you lose a kid and he or she runs off? Touch wood. I Don't tell me this never happened. Ever lost a child? Yeah, great. Um, I, feel, I feel really good. And I, <laughs> I think too though because I can't see. I'm very like. I always keep them incredibly close. I mean, my son was a bit of a runner and I never went anywhere on my own anyway. So okay. I would always have somebody, you know, chasing after him. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're pretty good. Saying that though, the other day, TMI, I was on the toilet and <laughs> we've just installed cameras and my son thinks it's so great that we have a ding bell. Yep. So he, I was on the toilet like, And he's, you know, ringing the bell. And then my you know, partner got it on recording. So that's nice and fun. There's a bit of memorabilia, but no, I haven't lost them. They're all pretty good in terms of knowing that I can't see. And I think because we have the older two, they look out for the younger two. Like, you know, my daughter would be like, this one's doing this and this one's doing that. Mom, that one's doing that. So (laughs) it's, it's helpful. Well, what you haven't told us, you got them all on a rope. You're all tied up. Yeah, I was going to say. Like you go on, um, like they do on Everest where they're all attached on Mount Everest. That's how you, that's how you get around with four kids on holiday. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how my, my parents did it. They just got two of them pushing me. So then yeah. there was at least two on my chair. Yeah, it was a hectic time. Like four kids is a lot. Yeah. I um, We're going to wrap up in a minute. Um, mm. well, I just had an interesting question. We had um, Steph Agnew was on one of our previous episodes yeah. who's also um, blind as well. I know you mentioned you've listened to that episode. Mm-hmm. She talked a lot about um, her like sensory and how she engages with her other senses yes. now. So how how do you – you mentioned the whale watching and, and 
to controlling what you can control. But how have you engaged with your like, senses and sensory experiences when you travel and, and how does that work for you? Yeah, I think for me, and especially as a blind person, that's the best way to travel. Like I definitely do sort of soak in all of those sensory experiences. So whether it's, you know, going to nice restaurants and really, you know, enjoying the beautiful food that I can taste or like even going to the sanctuaries, I may not be able to see the animals, but I can pat them, I can smell them, which isn't always pleasant, yes, but I, yeah, yeah. I can, you know, hear the birds and it's it's really nice I definitely feel like that's a huge part of traveling when you can't see um is engaging with those yeah sensory aspects yeah amazing if there was one thing you could change to make travel more accessible mm -hmm. to you what would it be when I was asked this question in the pre-interview, I did say eyesight. But I <laughs> Can you grant that for me? Yeah. yeah I was told there was going to be a, a genie magic here. Wand. Well, we got we got sort of AIs kicking off at the moment. So, you know, in a few more years, you might have some funny goggles that, that sort of kick it up. Yeah, we'll see how we go. I'll work as long on as it. they're Gucci, I'll wear them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would I change? I definitely feel that when it comes to accessibility for all people living with disability, I think that it really needs to start with, you know, contacting the people that are living in that experience. Mm. Like I definitely feel like you're never going to be able to know how to make adjustments or changes to, to buildings and locations if you don't talk to the people that you're trying to support. Um, I definitely feel like when kind of lining up and queuing in areas, they should definitely have a designated area for people with disabilities, um, mm -hmm. especially like with my eyesight because my eye shake, I do experience fatigue from time to time, get, you know, pretty significant headaches if it's really glary. So like even queuing areas where there might be a seat where I could sit down or, or something like that, I think that would be really helpful. And I just feel like space needs to be bigger, like for everybody, whether you're in a wheelchair or you have a guide dog. I definitely feel like the space needs to be bigger if it's in a villa or in, you know, accessing a building, doorways, those sorts of things make it so much easier, especially having a guide dog, then having a double pram. Yeah, it can get dicey sometimes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because everywhere we go, we can't really hide our disability. Mm -hmm. And obviously if you've got Holly with you, you can't mm -hmm. hide it either. But all the signage for disability is a wheelchair. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's how people obviously think about disability. Mm -hmm. Like and when access. I and I, I'm yeah. thinking about it thinking, I wouldn't know obviously how to be blind, but can you sit in those areas? Like at the front of SeaWorld where the dolphin show is, there's wheelchair sections. Mm -hmm. Is that where you sit? Yeah, so uh, as far as I'm aware, we kind of sat, yeah, at the front. Yeah. I think that may have been in the similar place. Mm. One thing though that I do think of now, having a guide dog, which we saw on our international flight to New Zealand, but I haven't seen again, a designated spot for her to go to the toilet and have oh, a drink, yeah. which was helpful because it was in the terminal. Um, yeah, so it's one in Melbourne Airport. When yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen so it. So those are yeah. always really helpful. But when, you know, you go to areas and there's not those, it, it can get challenging. Yeah. And I think that they should have those everywhere, especially, you know, with how many people do, you know, rely on su support and service dogs now. Well, so nice to meet you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Access That, presented by Queensland. We'll be back again soon with more from the people who have been there and accessed that. In the meantime, head over to queensland.com for more on accessible travel. If today's conversation has brought up anything difficult for you, we strongly recommend reaching out to Lifeline on 13 11 14.